brought us through, and this is definitely a week of Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, in so many ways, right? So um, let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We want to bless you today, Lord. We love you and thank, thank you for you, what you have prepared for us to teach us and to show us, Lord, we do want to be transformed today and conformed to your image. We do not want to leave the same way that we came in. We thank you, Jesus, that you have appointed wholeness for us. You have appointed healing for us. You have appointed freedom for us. And we bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that while we were yet sinners, you came to save us and reconcile us to yourselves. And we just want to glorify you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I might be wanting to preach a sermon right there. I have to stop. Goodness. Y'all, would you guys like to open your hymn books? Uh, You can. Let's go to um, sing Standing on the Promises. And if you want to stand and worship with us today, uh, we will sure appreciate you clapping. Our our drummer is out. And so we're going to need your percussion of your hands, right? So uh, let's get started in the key of G. Thank you, Lord. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing I'm standing for the promises of God I'm standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior
lift your name on high. We love you, Lord. We got to give him glory. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Blood, 
Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah, Amen. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We need that power Thank to walk this Lord. world in white. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Thank Lord. You, Jesus. just to live life our way we still want we still want Jesus's name but it would be so easy to try to just live it our way and do what we want to and wear our own clothes the Lord help us he gave us those pure white robes for a purpose <laughs> thank you Jesus we love you Lord let's sing our great God
praise you, Jesus. He did give us tools, didn't he? He gave us his name. He gave us the sword of the spirit. And he said, just say what I say about that situation. Declare my word over that situation. So where we are weak, he is strong. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we you've not left us without a comforter. You've not left us without a helper. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Ooh. I've got a new song today. You may know it, so sing it with us if you do. Thank you, Jesus.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Come on. Jesus for my family, I speak the name, holy name of Jesus. Y'all sing it with us. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness for every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the whole I know there is peace. 
breaking those strongholds. Thank you for healing that thing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on up, James. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we do thank you. This is a, not only a day of thanksgiving, but a time of thanksgiving. Father, right now, we just harvest this thanksgiving in your name. Father, we have needs. We have concerns, but Father, I know that I know that I know that you can answer those needs. Good morning. I, I just wanted to to read a, a quick passage that we all know, but it's always good to be reminded that in Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. It doesn't say... Rejoice in the Lord when you're happy. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when things are good. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when He's answered your prayer. It says rejoice in the Lord always, in everything, in those times of trial and struggle. Rejoice. How can we do that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, again I say rejoice. He's not joking about it. He's not recommending it. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Get it through our our heads, our hearts. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's here. He's at hand. He can reach into your situation today. He's right next to you. He's in you. Be careful for nothing. Don't be afraid. A lot of times, fear of either what's happened to you or what's going to happen to you can just uh, can just cause you to to be frozen in place cannot allow you to function can attack your mind and make it not be able to process even correctly 
But we don't have to be care- we don't have to be fearful. We can care for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here's the key. With thanksgiving. Again, be thankful. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We're here today with requests. We're here today with needs. We're here today with situations, with struggles, with with trials. And so we can bring those requests and make them known unto God. And you know what? The peace of God. How many of us need peace today? How many of us need peace in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our situations, in our homes, in our families? Peace which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. There's no better way to fix a a problem than through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus can heal your bodies today. He can heal your souls today. He can heal your minds today. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We've, we're surrounded by things that are not true, that are not honest, that are not just, that are not pure. They don't have a good report attached to them. They're not virtuous. We're surrounded by that in our everyday lives. And that can weigh on us. We're not supposed to think on those things. We're supposed to think on those things that are true. In our, in our home, we've had a little problem with, with fear in the children. And, and sometimes they, they get afraid of things. How many of you get afraid of things? I do. And so they get, a, they get fearful. And what I've told them is, you know, fear is not from God. He is not the author of fear. So if you're dealing with a situation of fear today, if you're in a situation where you don't have a good report, maybe it's a, a health issue, maybe it's a, a financial issue, if you're under that, that, that covering of fear, it's not of Him. He did not author that fear in your hearts. Only those things that are true. He is truth. If you're dealing with fear, cast that out. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I cast out fear in my heart, in my mind, and I, I receive your truth. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for our minds today. I f- pray for our thoughts today. Father, I just speak to a supernatural quickening of our minds. Lord, that we will focus on the truth of your word. You said that we are to be thankful, and I am going to, no matter what, be thankful. I'm going to focus on those things that are true. I am going to focus on those things that are, that are lovely, 
I am going to focus on those honest things. I'm not going to give in to the, the lies that are around me today. I am going to focus on justice. I am going to focus on a pure heart. I am going to focus on those things that are lovely. I'm not going to believe a, a bad report. I am not going to give in to a, to a report of, of, the, of a physician or a doctor that is a negative report. I am going to speak a good report. I am going to believe your report. I am going to believe your truth. Father, you have healed me. You healed me on the cross. And I am going to speak and I am going to believe that good report. You're, I am going to believe a report in my finances today. I am going to believe a good report in my finances. I am going to believe a good report in my family today. For those loved ones that need you, that need to come back to you, I believe a good report. I believe your truth in that situation today. And Father, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you even though I don't feel like it. I am going to believe you and I'm going to praise you through my struggle because I know that you not only are with me, but you're going to bring me through that situation. I'm going to thank you. And Father, I just ask right now that you'll allow our minds to think on those things, to focus on those things. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just, I just felt that, that we needed to not only in this time of thanksgiving, but specifically today, we needed to be thankful in those times. We've, we've gone through some struggles this season, and I know thanksgiving is coming up, and some of us are probably not going to be as thankful as maybe we were in the past, but I wanted to remind us to be thankful in this time, no matter what our situations, our situations were. Well, good morning. Um, Obviously, I'm not the pastor today. I mean, I'm the pastor today, but I'm not the, the regular pastor. Dan and, and Liz are in, uh, they're on vacation, but I don't know if it's technically vacation. They're with their kids, taking care of some of the grandkids. So um, that's, a, that's a vacation for some. Some of them, it's not, right? As you know that you have grandkids. They can be a blessing and a, a challenge at times, but we... They are. Uh, they've been on vacation with with the children, and they'll be back. But in the meantime, I'm here, so let's just remember them in our prayers as well. Um, I know they. I don't know if they're watching or not, but um, we just speak blessings over to them over them as well. But you know what? The Lord is the same yesterday, today, forever. No matter where we are, and no matter what we're going through. Um, but I did want to just uh, go over a couple announcements. Um, we, we, uh, our Operation Blessing has blessed us, but now they're on to the next blessing. They're moving into another, another situation. But we, how many of us 
were able to be blessed by Operation Blessing. We are so thankful for them. They were a, uh, a huge help to not only us, but the community, but they're heading to their next opportunity, so we do bless them. Um, I also want to remind you that um, the, the Operation, um, or the, yeah, Operation Christmas Child, there's a lot of operations. I, I don't like operations, but these operations are good. Operation Christmas Child is still going on. We're going to be doing it online. There's information in your bulletin to go through that. Um, if you're interested in, in uh, doing an op Operation Blessing. Um, and then the last announcement I will um, uh, remind us is that um, tonight, um, Brother Mac is going to be speaking with us. So don't does anybody remember Brother Mac and how, yes, he's going to be preaching tonight. Make sure you make your plans to be here 6.30, um, and I know, I know, I know you'll enjoy it. Um, we do have a missions report, so I want to give us an opportunity to hear that. So, Marcia. Good morning. Um, this is going to be short and sweet because last week Miss Audrey told us about Gator Wilderness Camp. That's the camp for the young boys. They live out in the wilderness and um, it teaches them about anger management, family, conflict resolu resolution. It's a wonderful thing. Once a year they have a fundraiser called Turkey in the Hole and it was yesterday, and Miss Audrey shared with us that they were able, through donations and the auction that they always have, to raise $350,000 for that <laughs> ministry. Praise God. And um, our October missions giving as a church was a blessing as well, and it was $1,500 for October. So praise God for that. Our missions meeting will be next week, and it's always open to anyone who would like to come. Thank you. Yeah, that was an incredible time. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but I even know that some of the donations from people here uh, in the church were able to be um, part of that process. So we, we thank you for that. Um, we're going to um, do our declaration today. We're going to take it. This is another opportunity we have to, to minister and to be thankful uh, to the Lord. So um, let's do our let's do our. Um, as we receive today's offering, I'm believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits, salaries and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decreased and blessings increased, Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you would, come and uh, bring your, your offering to the front.
Let's, uh, let's pray over our offering. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I just speak blessings over this offering that you will use it to further your work, your ministry, in this church, in, these, in this community, in the lives of those that have, have given to it. I speak blessing into their hearts and their minds. We just thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I think, is that uh, still got an echo going? Let me just run back here real quick, see if I can see what the problem is. Got to do a couple different things today. Let's just bring it all down. How about that? Is that better? Yep, still a little bit. There we go. All right. Well, I think we do have a couple visitors here today, so I wanted to make sure we get those. Brian and Tina, met you a little bit earlier from the, from the Port Charlotte, but originally from my great state of Michigan. And like I always, like I say, Michigan is a great state to be from. Um, especially in times like this. But uh, is anybody else a first-time visitor? All right, I guess the rest of us are family. But thank you again. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule and, and spending it with us. God bless you. Well, so I, I like I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not your pastor, but I, I have been praying for us this week. And I've been praying that, you know, there's, there's a lot of messages that can be brought. But I always go back. There's really only one message that we need to be preaching, and that's the gospel. It's a, it's a simple message. But it is the message that has changed the world 
can change the world and will change the world. The gospel is, is the same yesterday, today, forever. It doesn't change. People change. Times change. The gospel doesn't change. And so in my prayers this week, I ask the Lord to give us today a, a, a rhema word an utterance for us today. We're living in a, a day that is different from our parents' day. It's even different than our days in the not-too-distant past. With What we're dealing with today, we didn't deal with five years ago. So I, I really wanted us to, to get a word today that would speak to us in our situations a word that's timely and valuable and that we can use to walk. Before I go on, children, I am sorry, it is Children's Church. We bless you and we move you into the next room. In Jesus' name. You, you almost had to sit here and listen to my message, but you escaped. So... The gospel is a, is a message that needs to be preached not only continuously to the world, but it needs to be preached to, to yourself every day. Martin Luther um, said that he preached the gospel to himself every day because he forgot it every day. And I, I get what he's saying. You know, there's a, there's a lot of times it's easy to slip back into your own thoughts, your own works, your, your own efforts, and, and you kind of you miss out on what the Lord has really designed and the power that He's given us and, and the life of freedom that comes with, with living and a life of abundance and in really excitement and understanding the gospel. At the cross, Jesus told us it's finished. If Jesus said something, I'm going to believe it. When he said it's finished, he meant it. So if he said it's finished, it's finished. I'm not going to bring it back up. If it's, if it's a completed work, it's done. He meant what he said. And so today, I can claim that promise that it's finished and I can live a victorious life today. Most of us would, would like the ability in life to, to just be able to go through it without struggles, without pain, without things that are hard, without things that... Um, the, we, we want the ability to do certain things that, that we can't do. Now, there's a difference between things that we can't do and we need him to do. And there's a difference between things that you can do. Like, example, I've got a garage that is a great garage, but right now it is so filled with stuff that I can't really use it. So it's, it's a mess. And, but I have the ability to clean it. So I don't have to pray, God, please clean my garage for me. I have faith that you can clean my garage. 
That's not what I'm talking about. Lately, I've, I've been reminded that there's things in our lives that are, some of the things that are most important in our lives are things that you can't do. I can't, by all the strength that I have, by, by any effort, by any um, means of, of my works, I cannot heal one person in my family. I may want to, I may try to, I may do everything I can in my power to do, but I can't heal them. I can pray for them, but I don't have the power to fix it. There's not one ounce of anything that I have in my being that I can accomplish their healing. But, I know the person that can. Even the most devoted followers of Jesus, they know there are certain things that are impossible for them to fix. But we know the one that can fix those things. The beautiful thing about living a life in Christ is that we can engage in an amazing thing that we couldn't do on our own. In fact, Jesus calls us to participate with him. We can't do it, but he can, and so he asks us to participate in that process so that we can accomplish that through him. We can see broken marriages restored. We can see bodies healed. We can see relationships restored. We can see finances blessed. And we can be part of that through our faith in Him, in Jesus, in the One that can accomplish that. We get to see that. We get to be part of that. That's amazing. That we can be part of His blessing. Father, I just ask You right now. Lord, I ask You to touch my mind. I ask you to touch my my mouth. I ask us I ask you to touch our ears that we can hear the words that you are speaking to us today. In Jesus name. Amen. Um the the book of Hebrews uh the author of Hebrews he really focuses on on faith and what that can accomplish. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. We've all heard that term before, the Hall of Fame of Faith. It lists a, a whole list of biblical figures that, that pleased God, not through their actions, but through the fact that they had faith. From Abraham to Sarah to David to Samuel to Gideon and, and uh, many, many more, these believers were commended not by their, for their actions, but for their faith. By trusting in God, they went beyond their abilities. Things that they couldn't do, they were able to accomplish through their faith. They were able to... They, and they, they make up this huge cloud of witnesses that is today watching and rooting and encouraging us 
to move forward in our lives. They're actively encouraging us to, to exercise the faith that they had exercised in Him and allowing Him to work through us today. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have a race that's marked out for us. It's not a race for our, 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 our grandparents. It's not a race designed for our children. It's a race that we have to run today with perseverance. There's a life that can be lived by faith and a life that can only be achieved after we get rid of all the weight and the, the, the things that strip us down and, and weigh us down. These obstacles of, that are to our faith, we have to put them away. We have to, be, uh, we have to allow ourselves as we consider our circumstances, we have to think that these are things that I can't do, but I can do them through Him. I can be part of that effort through Him. I can pray endlessly for myself, but I can't do it except I, I am able to function through Him. The answer is not from me. He is the answer. He is my answer. The problem is, for many of us, we look at our circumstances and our situations, and we focus on those things. We focus on our problems today rather than focused on the answer that He is for our situation. We focus on the, the fear, the uncertainty of today rather than the answer that He has already provided for us. And this isn't, this isn't new. Satan uses this in our lives over and over and over. Just as we come through one triumph, it seems like the next one is a, a, the next trial is ahead of us and we have to start over again. He brought us through something. He, he, he showed himself powerful in a situation. We, we were brought through it. He answered our prayer and now the next problem comes and we have to start all over again. Day by day, this is a process that we are going through. We, we are hindered a lot of times by that sin that it speaks of in Hebrews. That sin that trips us up. Those things that we stumble over as we are running this race. One moment we think, God's on the move. He's moving us. He's answering us. And then the next minute we're stumbling and falling and and feeling like we've missed it. We're thinking, Lord, I, th I thought this was my breakthrough, breakthrough, and now it's even worse than ever. So where is our hope? Where do we find our hope? It says at the end of uh, verse 1 in Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race God has set before us. Through our circumstances, 
even though we may be tripped up, the race is about endurance. It's not a sprint. This is a lifetime process. We're instructed to keep our eyes on Him. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2, it says, Look, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's our author, and He's already finished it. So I don't have to, it's not my faith. I'm not trying to build my faith. I'm accepting His faith that He's authored and that He's finished as my faith. And it, it says, continues, it says, Who for the joy, the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. How many of us think that Jesus had a joyful experience at the cross? Was that a, would you consider that a joyful time in His life? It says here that, that who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We'll talk about that joy in a minute. But He looked at it as a joyful opportunity. Our race isn't about mustering up enough faith. We can't muster it on our own. We have to look to Jesus to apply His faith to us. He is our author. What a, what a wonderful thing that we as a Christian can initiate His faith in our hearts. Long before He called us to run this race, He already had our destination planned out. He initiated our faith he authored it, He finished it, and He set us forward on this race. We, we may think today, man, this is a tough race. I'm tired. I don't know where I'm going. I need some direction in this race. Did I make a wrong turn? Am I, am I running the wrong way? He authored this race. He designed your path. What happened to your faith that God initiated? Do you feel it's died? Are you weary? Do you feel tripped up? Do you have despair? Is your mind not stable? Are you fearful? God's promises are true. You can have trust in His faith. In His, in His faith. How do you do that? Romans 10.17 So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Do you know a lot of times you don't need your ears to hear something? It doesn't mean what you hear. It, a lot of times you can hear through your eyes. You can hear through a lot of your different senses. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God can be heard in your life in many, many different ways. 
These promises are true. If your promise has not been fulfilled, you can trust that God is still at work perfecting it. There are many things I hoped for in godly sincerity that didn't come to, tr come to pass. We need to be careful, though, about talking about our hopes and applying those to his promises. We can only be assured something is his promise if it's confirmed through Scripture. Scripture never changes. The gospel never changes. You may be saying, I had a word of the Lord in my life for whatever, and it didn't happen. Maybe, maybe God, I didn't hear correctly. Maybe that's something that was, was not of Him. I, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I failed. God has never failed to accomplish His word. He's not 99% faithful. He's 100% faithful. He's never failed. He's never misspoken. If you've received a word from Him in your life, He will accomplish it in your life. You can trust that. You can believe that. You can lay claim to that. God's perfect faith. God perfects our faith by speaking through His word and by us believing and accepting that faith. You know, I am not a young person anymore. I understand that. I don't have to, nobody has to tell me that. And as someone that's in their late midlife, is that a term? Late midlife? <laughs> I, there were things that I wanted or I thought I wanted or I thought were in God's will in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. I really thought this is what I want. Or this is what this is what this would be the best thing for me. But now I look at it and I say, "Thank you, Lord, that didn't happen." When I was in my 20s, I thought this is this would make me happy. I'm glad it didn't happen because it wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy. He has made a, a plan for us that is going to be finished in us, and I'm glad He never gave me those things that I thought I wanted. I'm glad that I have what He's designed for me. In His mercy, God saw what I needed, and He didn't allow the things I wanted to get in the way. By perfecting our faith in this way, the desires that He initiated became the desires that are in my life today. You know, we pray the Lord, we pray for things, God, I, I need to find Your will. What's Your will for, for my life? No, we need to ask, Father, give me Your heart. Let my will be Your will. Let me strive after you so that those things that I desire are the things that you desire. Then I can be, I can say, Father, thank you. Let me, let me know your will. Work your will through my life. Hebrews 11.1 1. 
Faith is the confidence that what we hoped for is actually happening. Faith's root word in Latin is Latin for fides, which means trust, confidence, reliance. It's not, it's not a blind hope or situation. It's not, we're not hoping for something. We're trusting. We have confidence in faith. When we exercise faith, it is a, a confident exercise. Right now, you are exercising faith. All of you, right now. You have more faith than I do right now. You're exercising your faith because you're sitting on something that you believe is going to support you. You believe, you, tr you trust, you have confidence in the chair you're sitting in. Why? How did you get that faith? How did you get that trust? You've exercised that faith your whole life. You've sat in chairs your whole life. It's a process that you have demonstrated over time and over experience that it now becomes easy for you to do. You can walk right in and sit down and not even think about it. Your faith in that chair is absolute. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to fear. You don't have to guess well, is this chair going to hold me or not? No, I've exercised that. It's the same with our faith. As we build our faith over time, over experience, we can have that confidence. It has come by many, many times of, be, of exercising our trust over years, and now we don't even think about it we just do it god as god purifies our faith our confidence builds we grow in discernment saying ah that's it yes this is the word of god and that word is not i know now when he's speaking to me i know what he is asking me to do i have confidence in his promises through scripture through prayer and even through the witness of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we begin to, to take His faith, it's not my faith, we take His faith and His Word and we mix them. We mix the water of His Word with His faith and we mix them in our lives. And now... We grow in that experience. We grow in that understanding. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. So my, my kids now can all ride bikes, but before they could ride a bike, you remember when you first learned how to ride a bike? It's kind of a scary time, wasn't it? You're on, a, you're on this thing that's moving, and you don't have control of it. You, you're holding it, but the pedals, are, the pedals are moving, the tires are moving, but 
you're struggling because you don't have real control over that bike. And so hope probably you had somebody supporting you, maybe pushing you or holding the seat as you were trying to learn that. But eventually you got to a place where you started to understand. You started to get a balance. You started to get a, a, a feel for how to ride that bike. And so eventually maybe whoever was pushing you, maybe they were holding that chair or seat, maybe they, they just let go and you didn't even know it. And you were pedaling, you were moving, you were balancing, and you didn't even realize, but you were doing it. Through, you had done something, you had, by, by effort, by, by attempts, by maybe falling and failing and hurting yourself, but now you were able to do something that was before a very fearful time, something you weren't comfortable doing but now it was something that was was fun it was enjoying you enjoyed riding a bike things that you had faith in that bike to support you and also in the process that you had learned over time this kind of faith was perfected by those in this hall of fame of faith. It didn't just happen overnight. According to Hebrews, God commended Abel not for his worthy sacrifice of worship, but for his faith. Noah wasn't commended for being a great preacher or a boat builder or for his righteousness, but for his faith. Moses wasn't commended for being a, a bold speaker or leader. It was because of his faith. What pleases God is faith. Why? Because nothing can be accomplished for his kingdom except through faith in him. Trust in him. Confidence in him. It's not a wishful hope. It's knowing Him. To have that kind of faith, it pleases Him. Oftentimes, we've, we've been taken through some frustrating experiences. Maybe we've fallen off our bike. We've skinned our knee. Maybe we've been at the point where we've cried, Lord, You gave me a promise, but now You've taken away everything that could have made that promise possible. Job had lost everything, every one that he loved, every one he cared for, everything that he had built or, or acquired. He lost it all. But he said, You can take everything. You can slay me. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have confidence in you. 
You may be going through the Job experience right now. You may be losing things that you've had all your life. You've experienced or you've, you've had an opportunity to acquire. I encourage you to hold to that trust, that confidence in Him. That's how the great cloud of witnesses made it before us. Scripture says that when God promises something, He brings it to pass. God promised Abraham, the father of many nations. He made a promise to him in Romans chapter 4, verse 19. He said, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though the Lord said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he didn't have anything. He didn't have any heir and he's a hundred years old he said even though at about a hundred years old abraham figured his body was as good as dead and so was his wife that word in scripture that says figured that's a mathematical term he knew he had run the run the accounting for it. He knew that it didn't add up. This promise can't, can't be true. Two and two don't make five. I know this. There was nothing in his power that could make it work. Yet we read in Romans 4.20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. He didn't waver. It didn't figure. It wasn't possible. It couldn't happen. But his faith never wavered. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And when and and in this he brought glory to God. When you look at your life and you see the things that are impossible to happen, you need something impossible to happen. You need to be thankful and trust and have confidence that it's going to happen. You have a loved one that, is, that needs to come back to, to God and you don't. there's no way it can happen. It doesn't figure. He, it's, they've gone from one extreme to the other. They've tried. They've failed. It can't happen. Don't give up. Don't give up. Trust in Him for the answer. There's no way it can happen except through Him. Abraham figured, I can't do this. But he had a strong faith. His faith in God grew. And though he had in his body, there was no life. There was no ability to do it. His flesh couldn't perform what God's promises were. It was the Holy Spirit living in him. Dwelling in him. Tabernacling in him that made it possible. In Scripture, the word tabernacle speaks of a place where God resides it's not your ability it's his ability in you 
It's his home on this earth where God's presence will tabernacle. Through the centuries, God visited his people and he, his presence was known to them. But it didn't tabernacle with them. His presence didn't dwell in them. Noah heard God's voice, but the Lord didn't dwell in him. Abraham spoke of the day when he was looking for the city whose builder and maker was God. Jacob was visited by God on occasion, but he didn't know God's presence dwelling in his midst. The first tabernacle that God commanded, that Moses built, it was designed by God Himself. He says in Exodus 25.8, And let them make me a tabernacle, that I may dwell among them. In verse 22 it says, And there I will meet with them, and I will commune with them, from above the mercy seat and between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. The wilderness tabernacle was a place that God dwelt. His presence was there. It was manifest through the cloud, through the pillar of fire through the Holy of Holies, the altar, the candlesticks, all reflected aspects of Christ in the future. His power, His authority, His sacrifice. This wilderness tabernacle was a place for almost 500 years that the children of Israel could come and where the Lord's presence was. They knew this. They could go there to where his, He tabernacled. The second tabernacle was similar. Solomon finished this tabernacle after the Lord gave the design to his father David. It was well-renowned for its, its grandeur, its beauty. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, it says, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of this holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. All the Israelites, they knew. They knew where God's presence was. They knew that if I want to be in His presence, I can go to the tabernacle. They, they, could, they even would, would pray in that direction of Jerusalem when they prayed. They would face the tabernacle. They would show their face to the direction where God was tabernacling. Just like in the wilderness, the second tabernacle passed away after about 500 years. We have one, the, first tab, the wilderness tabernacle. We have Solomon's tabernacle. And the third tabernacle was Jesus Himself. He came to earth. God incarnate. God Himself tabernacled on earth. He brought His tabernacle in bodily form to this world. Colossians 2.9 For in Him, 
In Jesus dwelleth, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It wasn't, it wasn't just a different form of God. God didn't just put on a mask and now He's Jesus. It wasn't just God changing forms. No, God, Jesus was the fulfillment, the totality, the, the all-encompassing of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all contained in Christ. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just our God. He was the Godhead in bodily form. John 1.14 And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as, only, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was complete grace. He was complete truth. The Greek word for dwelt there literally means to tabernacle. He, was, he tabernacled the Godhead in bodily form. Jesus tabernacled among us. But the exciting part about that, the thing that we could, He could look forward to was the cross. Christ raised up the fourth tabernacle. This tab, fourth tabernacle was his church. His corporate body consisting of people worldwide whose bodies are his temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that ye, that you're the bo your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You right there sitting are not your own. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is tabernacling. He is dwelling. He is living in you. Those first three tabernacles, they, they, were, they were wonderful. They were an opportunity to, to experience his presence in the wilderness. There was a place that they could go that would lead them. In Solomon's temple, it was situated in Jerusalem that they could go there. They could, they could experience His presence. And Jesus walked among us. He tabernacled with us. That was special to those that, that met Him, that empowered them. But now as the hours of crucifixion approached, Jesus anticipated that fourth tabernacle. The one in which everyone who believed in Him would be gathered up into a single place. We all are part of His body. In Him. That was, that was the glimpse that He had that when, when He had that joyful experience that was what he was seeing he glimpsed that joy that was spoke about in hebrews 2 12 verse 2 over when he 
he expressed that joy when he met with the Samaritan woman at the well. And he said to her in John chapter 4, verse 20, Our fathers, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. They worshipped in Jerusalem here. And you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem where you can worship the Father, but the hour cometh, in verse 23, and, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such worship, seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants to dwell in us, he wants to tabernacle in us. Not in a house made of stone, but a house made of flesh. That was the joy he spoke of. Even though he had to go to that cross, it was a joyful experience because he knew he would be tabernacling with us. He, pro he was prophesying the fourth tabernacle, the one that all the prophets had longed to see. It was the temple that Abraham rejoiced over. Moses anticipated. They envisioned it, but they, they couldn't enjoy it because they weren't able to enter into the fullness of this glory. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. By the cross, having slain the enmity there, thereby. He got rid of what was causing that separation by the cross. He came and He preached peace to you which are afar off. That's us. We were afar off. And to them that are nigh, that was those then. In verse 20, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together. All the tabernacles were built on Him. They were uh, framed together growth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye are builded together for an habitation, a dwelling, a tabernacle of God through the Spirit. Christ knew tabernacle is you is me we are his body we contain his faith Jesus tells us in John 14:23 if a man love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we, the Godhead, we will come unto Him and make our abode in Him. 
Can you imagine a being a, a person so magnificent, so awe-inspiring, living in this frail body, this, this unworthy vessel. The word for abode here means a place to dwell. What a mind-boggling truth. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has made us their home. Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1, saying, Our earthly house is His tabernacle. Our earthly vessel is His home of His heavenly treasure. An earthly body, a body that every believer, an earthly body for every believer, it belongs to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Christ as the Son over His house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. It doesn't matter how frail, how unworthy, how you may feel your temple is. The writer says very clearly that you are His house. If we hold fast to confidence to the end, your house may need some roof repair. Your house may need new windows. Your physical body may need some repair. It may have some leaks. It may have had gone through some storms. It may not function like it used to. You may need a, a supernatural makeover. But it's His house. He dwells there. He's your remodeler. He's the best roofer you can get. He's not going to steal your, steer you wrong or steal your money. You can have confidence in Him. You can trust in Him. We all, became, we all began with Adam's sin nature. The day we were born, Satan laid claim to our bodies. We came out of the womb with tendencies to, to love ourselves, to be selfish, to be self-pleasing. In short, the devil was squatting in our house. He came up he came in and he took residence there. And day after day, our sins began to mount like a mortgage debt. We were just paying interest, but that debt was, was growing. But then came the cross. 
that cross purchased your home. His blood at Calvary paid your debts. He didn't just pay part of your debt. He paid your debt in full. It wasn't, I'll pay 80% and you pay 20. It wasn't even a 90-10 policy. It was a 100% payment with no deductible. He paid for your debt. He redeemed you. And he had legal right to evict the tenants to that sin nature from which we all struggle. He was able to evict that nature from our house and he can't return. He evicted them and they can never take residence again. That is the gospel. That is the good news. You don't have to be bound by fear. You don't have to be scared of what tomorrow brings. You can have confidence in Him and in His faith. It reminds me of that, that story of the, the rich businessman who had a beautiful beautiful multi-million dollar home and he uh, he loved this home he designed it but then he started to he was an alcoholic and he he drank and eventually began to lose everything he lost his wife he lost his family he lost his career he lost his dignity he lost his job this man's mind, he, he, all he had left was his home. So now he's staying in, his, in this home all day just drinking. He, he couldn't keep up with the mortgage payments and eventually he lost his home. Someone else bought the house and paid off the mortgage. And a new deed was drawn up and the deal was closed and the deed was registered in the court but this alcoholic man refused to leave he told himself I don't care what the law says this is still my home I still have residence here I built this I designed this I've invested a lot into this home but the law eventually forced him out the deputies came and removed him bodily as soon as the man was gone, new owners moved in. They renovated. They cleaned it up. They restored this home. They, they moved a family into this home. And for days, this previous owner walked up and down the street in front of the house saying, It's my home. I still, this is still my place. But he no longer had legal ownership of that home. Eventually, the new owners obtained a restraining order to keep him away. You can't come around this home. You have to stay 100 feet away from this home. Don't come around here anymore. 
you see the parallel? You've been purchased by Christ's blood. So your body is now legally His. Your home is His Spirit's home. And all your debts of sin have been paid for. The previous owner was forced out. And he can't return. Because the deed is now in Christ's name. It's not even in your name. You're not responsible for the payment. You don't owe the debt. The Lord holds the title. And He has been registered. Your home is registered in the highest court that it could possibly be. You are owned by a corporation that has no limit. You don't have to fear of someone else coming and taking your, your home. You are bought with a price that cannot be removed. But you know the devil... He's that worst house guest you've ever had. You've had some guests probably that can't take a hint when they need to go home. You've had those parties, and they've been great parties, but the party's over. Everybody else has left. But you can call on the law to come and remove that guest. Oh, he'll shout. He'll say, I furnished this home. I spent all my years decorating it. Everything here reflects my tastes. It's still mine. But God's deputy, the Holy Spirit, will lay hold of that devil and will kick him out. He'll evict him. Colossians 2.15 Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made and showed them openly, triumphing, tri triumphing over them. Again, there's the cross. That's his triumph. That's our triumph. You may see the devil pacing back and forth in front of your house, claiming he still owns it. But the new owner will never allow him to re-enter. He's given him a do not show your face around here again. He has a restraining order on him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Know ye that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is His. Your spirit is His. Your mind is His. Your desires are His. It doesn't matter how broken down or dilapidated your home is. You may feel that your dwelling is going to be pushed over in the next storm that comes. You may be fearing that next hurricane is going to blow your top off. But I'm declaring to you today, your house will stand because it is owned, it is, it is modified, it is remodeled by Christ's blood, by His salvation. He has saved you, He has bought you, and He dwells in you. 
And the Holy Spirit is his fixer-upper. He will keep you. He will maintain you. He will sustain you. He will continue the work that, is be, that needs to be done in your home. The devil can lie to you all he wants. You are still the Lord's home, and he is tabernacling in you today. Hebrews 3.6 Christ, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm, firm until the end. At Windsor Castle in England, there's a flag that flies above the castle every time the king is there. It's telling those that are around him that the king is residing in that home. The same truth is in your heart and in your life today. Our king resides in our home today. Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of God shall lift up a standard against him. God's flag of ownership flies above us continually. It both declares His presence in us and it's a warning to our enemies. You don't have to fear. You don't have to question. You can have confidence in Him. We are not to live in fear. Rather, we are to rejoice walking in confidence and in joy of the Lord. God has removed all judgment against us. We are not guilty of those things that we've committed, those sins. And He has hoisted His standard above us, declaring, The King is at home. He is residing in you. If that doesn't give you faith, nothing will. I started by talking about that faith. How we can't force our family members to, to be healed. I can't do it myself. We, many of us have family members that need healing today. They need restoration. I want to see my family healed. I want to see them return to the Lord. To see that accomplished, I put my faith, my trust, and my confidence in His power and in His healing ability to draw them and to overwhelm them and to restore them. I want to see people in this city come to Christ. I want to see bodies restored, relationships healed. But I know that can't happen by just strategizing and planning and putting in programs. Those things may be useful, but only Christ can initiate anything for His kingdom. He has done the work. He has accomplished everything. It is for us to put our faith and our confidence in Him. Yes, we are called to do those things for His kingdom, but we are also called to do more. Do you want to see God's promises and purposes accomplished in your life? He asks only that you trust Him by living a life of faith. 
Remember I said we need to take the water of his word and mix it with his faith in our lives. That's how we can change the world. We can change our lives, our families' lives, and our communities. We can live a victorious life today. Will you stand with me? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Father, I ask that you will accomplish what you've designed in our hearts and our lives today. Lord, use my frailties to accomplish your purposes. Go with us today. Bless us and keep us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord's May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace to him that is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Remember tonight at 6.30, Brother Mack will be uh, speaking with us tonight. We thank you. Go have a wonderful afternoon. We love you. Bless you.